0: Hello from the Clio Cloud Conference online everywhere in the world. I'm Lawrence Coletti. I'm Mike Whalen. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. (laughs) And we're back. Thank you so much for joining us on the road, so to speak. It's a pleasure to be here virtually. And uh, today we're ta- we've are we got a great guest, we've got a fellow podcaster, Mike Whalen. He's an author and podcaster. He's the host of the Lawyer Forward podcast. And uh, he was presenting at the Clio Cloud Conference at a session titled, Lawyer Forward, Filtering Ideas to Design Your firm's new normal. So new normal is a term we've heard a lot in the last few months since the COVID-19 shutdowns began. But uh, welcome to the show, Mike.
1: Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Glad to go over it again. It was a strange experience trying to keep my kids out of the room while presenting. <laughs> I, I feel like part of the reason we go to conferences is so we don't have to push kids out of because they're somewhere else. But I, you know, this is a weird experience.
0: Well, I thought, I thought you did a great presentation, and I really like the, uh, the, d- the design part of thinking through kind of a tough process. And so obviously, you know, pivoting and making adjustments has been name of the game for COVID-19 to keep your firm successful and making revenue during a pretty difficult time financially for a lot of people. And so I want to get to that. So let, let's just do this. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I know you're not an active practice, but you know, you write and you do, uh, you do a podcast where you address a lot of these issues. So, you know, where do you work? What do you do? Tell us about the work.
1: So what I do mostly, it's either Lawyer Forward, the community that I run, or it's Lawyer Forward Media, which is a company that I run to help legal technology companies uh, connect with the kinds, you know, solo and small firm lawyers, and also to help lawyers uh, if they wanna demonstrate expertise through writing. I walk them through that and do some developmental editing and and writing for them as well. So, um, yeah, so just doing a lot of writing now. We live in Kansas City now, but the, the story of the book Lawyer Forward and what I I talked about today in my session uh, was I was practice It started when I practiced in Texas. I, I started out in Austin, Texas, and then practiced in a rural area in Texas. And, and it taught me a lot about what not to do. Uh, and I broke a lot of things while trying to do things. And so, this, this piece that I ended up working on for Cleo was applying some of the lessons that I learned to this wacky situation.
0: Well, let's talk about your uh, presentation. So it was titled again one more time: "Lawyer Forward: Filtering Ideas to Design Your Firm's New Normal." So, if you can, just give us the general description. We'll get into the details, but just in general, uh, you know, in general terms. What was it about?
1: Yeah, very broadly. The the thing that motivated me here was that solo and small firm lawyers don't have a lot of margin. They don't have money margin. They don't have people margin. They don't have time margin. They just don't have a lot of bandwidth to deal with a lot of things. And I I feel like in these innovation conferences and, and conversations that we have, we tell these lawyers to experiment a lot, which is great. But if you're wrong your firm collapses, right? Like we just don't have a lot of breathing room to get things wrong. And so uh, what this piece largely is, is using some tools from design and from business model innovation to help lawyers filter, to filter on paper, to model on paper and say, does this thing work? This crazy idea I have, does it work before I go risk my law firm and my license to see if it works? So it's, it's sort of ordered experimentation.
0: Well, let's break into it a little bit. So it incorporates brainstorming. It incorporates some filtering, which I guess is some kind of decision making process within the decision making process. But you know, tell us how these models uh, operate. There, how, how do they? How do you? Uh, how do you go from concept to uh, drafting it out? And I, and I realize this is a visual. There's was a lot right. of visuals in there, and we're on audio. But if you could just walk us through, that'd be great
1: yeah, I would say broadly, there's there's two key tools. One is the double diamond methodology from design for brainstorming, and we could talk about that. And the other is a tool called the Legal Innovation Canvas. A canvas is just it's a visual tool uh, from lean to make to ask questions of your business or in this case. Your business idea. And so visually, if you can imagine, we have this image that is basically four stages. You've got the beginning, which is just this nebulous web of idea. I mean, there's all kinds of you go to a conference like Clio, and there's just a million things you could go try. And as a small firm owner, you got a lot of should in your life. You feel like there's so many things you should be doing. Um, and so to go from that to the double diamond methodology, that is a way to come up with a good idea. That's that's you've brainstormed. You had a process for structured brainstorming, then you had a good idea, and then you have the legal innovation canvas. And what that does is make sure that your good idea is a viable idea that it works in a business context. And then after you've done that, now you have an idea to go and go experiment on. the The purpose in that sort of process is again to make sure that you're not taking random ideas. Uh, that it's more mindful, it's more purposeful. And by the time you come out with an idea to go put money and time behind, you have a pretty good sense that it's gonna work.
0: All right, let's apply an example. So, you know, obviously you've tested this out and uh, you've had to make a decision or come up with some concept or idea for a uh, practice. And so let's start with the double diamond model and let's come up, if you can, if you can remember, uh, maybe just a real live example. I think that'll probably drive the point home uh, because right. we're on a podcast, don't have the uh, illustrations in front of us. Of
1: course, and 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 the way the double diamond works in design is it's basically the difference between divergent or broad or sen- uh, uh, analytic thinking versus convergent or narrow or... or or, sorry, synthetic thinking, you're putting things together. So imagine two diamonds. The first diamond is you're trying to identify a problem. And so first you brainstorm really broadly. You're not touching the solution yet, which is so hard for lawyers, but you're not touching the solution. You're just thinking broadly about a problem. And then after you've prioritized through different ways we talk about in the book, you come down to a specific problem that you want to deal with. Now you go back to thinking big. You brainstorm again all over the place about solutions that address that problem and then again you narrow back down. The, the idea is that while we lawyers are so inclined to jump to a solution instead of identifying the right problem, this is a process to come up with a problem solution pair That we can test well, that actually that we know works. Um, So that's the double diamond. I give the example in the piece of a couple of friends, John Tobin um, and Justy Nickel. John in California, Justy in uh, Colorado. And just to give you the example of John, he runs a subscription-based business uh, law firm for creative entrepreneurs. And so for him, he he had an associate. He asked this associate, "What do you want to work on? Like, what what do you think would be cool to learn?" And he said estate planning. And so here was an idea, a new idea. And we've all done this in this new normal nonsense that all these gurus are telling us we need to shift to whatever practice area they say is the right one so they can, you know, we can pay them to teach us that thing. And so we feel like, you know, rabbits with our heads cut off. We're supposed to try all these new things, uh, but what this is a process to do for John was to say, "Okay, now, am I going to try estate planning?" And so he went in and he 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 did this process of thinking broadly about what's the problem I'm trying to address for his particular users. It was is the stuff I'm building gonna stick around, right? Do I have any long-term viability in the business I'm building? So, he narrowed down to that question of this particular problem, preserving the business that I'm building. And then he went through again an identified solution and he mapped out different things that would be crucial to solving that problem. And at the end, he came up with part of the subscription model. Can I add in different business preservation techniques that, you know, overlap with estate planning. So he came down to a problem solution set. So now he knows he has a good idea, but then he had to put it through the canvas to figure out if he's got a viable idea.
0: Well, let's get to that. So the viable idea part, running it through the canvas, explain how that process works. So there's there's some why, there's some who, there's a bunch of hows. So uh, just walk us through that.
1: Very broadly, if you, again, a visual thing, but if you look at it, it's, it's a visual tool that just makes you ask questions. And this comes from the business model canvas from a company called Strategizer, and we sort of adapted it. I worked with John Grant, and we came up with an adapted version for this context. It's not so much to fix your business model as it is to try individual ideas. And so what this does is there are filters. To simplify it, I called them why, who, what, how, and the money. And, and these are sort of the factors that you need to figure out. Do, does this thing work? So we'll take the case of John. He went in and said, all right, does this fit my mission? What I want to do is help these entrepreneurs, these creative entrepreneurs be able to create without worry. Uh, it, sure, this fits, this fits that. And then I got to go do the who part. Who am I serving? I know quite a bit about my people, and and we dig into this process more. You know, you're doing a customer profile. You're identifying their emotional journey. Uh, it, you're figuring out how they connect with you. So these are the questions that you're asking. And then on the other side, he's figuring out how. What's my supply side? Right. What 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 resources do we have? What will we need? How do we outsource? And then the bridge between those two is the what section. It's the value proposition. It is I match the jobs to be done, the gains and pains that are desired by the customer with the jobs that I can do and the pains that we avoid and the gains that we're trying to get you. If those things match, you have a fit. So that's where John got, and then finally he had had to answer the money question in the end, after he put that through that process, spoiler alert in the piece, uh, John found out that doing that kind of estate planning for his customers, for his clients, just didn't work uh, because he would have had too many resources out of house that he'd have needed to gather together in order, and he couldn't make the money side of it work. It, It was there wasn't a high enough recognized need. We do this matrix between known need uh, and the size of the market. There was a good size market, but there wasn't a high enough recognized need. And so he's like, okay, this doesn't work. And so we had to kick it. And Justy, I, I, I won't give you the whole story, but Justy tries her own thing. It has to do with adding family law services to a criminal case
0: or to a criminal law firm. And you're just going to have to go read the piece to see what happens with Justin. Okay. Well, let's say that uh, it did answer the money question. So he was able to bridge that gap. And so what's the next step after that? You have to test this before you apply it to prime time, right? So walk us through some of the testing. How do you vet it to make sure it's a good idea and not going to blow your practice up?
1: Yeah, in general, I I mean, I will say that this piece doesn't dig too deeply into what testing looks like. Uh, Jack's book, The Client-Centered Law Firm, talks quite a bit about that and points to resources. My book, Lawyer Forward, also points to several resources that can be used for experimentation. But broadly speaking, what I would say is when you're doing an experiment, you have to find baby steps. You have to find baby steps with quick feedback loops. And a lot of times, it's, it's crazy stuff. I, I'll give the example of just Google AdWords or whatever they call it now. Um, if you want to see, is there demand for this thing? You don't go build the thing. That's the screw up that I did in my practice. I went and built out this whole thing. If you go pay for $100 of Google AdWords with good copy that says, hey, I'm offering this thing, you have a landing page that says coming soon. Just from the data of how many people click through and go to your landing page and then say, yes, I want to sign up for more information about your coming soon thing. You can test very quickly and very simply data of, is there demand for this thing? You, you don't have to guess. So anytime you're doing experimentation, try to find really short, really narrow, quick feedback loops.
0: All right. Last question for you there, Mike. You know, if one of our listeners, they're listening to what you're uh, saying here, they want a little bit more of a walkthrough, you know, how can they reach out? How can they find you?
1: Sure. So for this particular piece that I did with Clio, just go to clio.com slash new normal. You can download the PDF there. If you want to reach out to me, uh, I'm at lawyerforward.com. There's information about the book there. Uh, It's basically turning self-acceptance into a business model through collaboration. It's sort of nerdy about you letting your freak flag fly and then running a business around it. So I hope you guys will go there. And then also just on Twitter and really all the socials, but I'm really on Twitter because it's cheaper than therapy. I'm at Mike Whelan Jr. <laughs> it's Mike, W-H-E-L-A-N Jr. So go connect
0: with me there. Well, we've reached the end of the road for this episode, but I want to thank Mike for joining us. Thank you so much, Mike. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate and leave us a review in your favorite podcast and app that always helps the show. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes.